Hello everyone, welcome to the second episode of The Watchful Night's Week in Review. My name is Ishiv, or at The Watchful Night on Instagram, or just Watchful Night on Letterboxd. So you guys know how this works now. I'm going to go through the movies that I watched this past week, add a little more color to my reviews, followed by a movie to keep on your radar, and then five movies to watch when. And again, last thing to let me know is what you didn't like, what you liked, so I can improve the next episodes going forward. Okay, cool. So let's start with our week in review. So I started past Saturday watching The Thing, released in 1982, directed by John Carpenter. And I don't want to talk about this movie too much because I think there has been abundant things said about this, but it received an 8 out of 10, and I really, really enjoyed this movie. Very iconic, very... It's it's awesome how it's all contained in this one location, and it's very entertaining and keeps, on, keeps you on the edge of your seat, but it's also a very bleak commentary on humanity, which is always a fun combination. So um, I would recommend this movie. I think if you haven't seen it before, make it one of your top priorities because it is iconic and one considered a horror classic, and you can just see its influence um, in, in many modern films. So do watch it. And yes, that was my favorite movie of the month, past month, that I had never seen before. Okay, then I watched I Saw the Devil, and this is a movie I want to talk about in more detail partly because I need your guys' help on how exactly to feel about this movie. So I watched I Saw the Devil. This was released in 2010, directed by Ji Woon Kim, starring Lee Byung Hun and Choi Min Sik. And the, the summary of the plot is that a secret agent finds his wife to be brutally, and and I mean very brutally murdered, which propels him to take revenge um, the killer, and you know, he he almost becomes as violent as the person he is trying to catch. And this received a six point four out of ten. So what I liked about this movie, this movie is two hours and twenty four minutes long, and there's not a dull moment. I think it always keeps you on the edge of your seat. You're never, you're always curious on where it's going to go next. So that's a really good thing about this movie. The performances are amazing. These these leads are as insane as they needed to be, like perfectly capturing insanity, but also very reserved in the best ways too. Um, especially the the secret agent, our main character, who's played by Lee Byung Hun. He has very very violent tendencies, but always keeps his performance very reserved, uh, which makes it even more unsettling. And then the technical aspects were were great. I think there was nothing special about them yeah there was something special about them but they did keep the film going and maybe the production design is probably the place that I would say it was the strongest but yeah overall it flowed very well okay so the reason this is a 6.4 and this is what I really didn't like about the movie but I, I'm not sure if I'm catching it properly but is the main issue is that well the first thing is that this movie is extremely violent and very, very gruesome. It's, you know, very similar to a Saw movie, but I think it's also kind of worse because in a Saw movie, you're kind of going in expecting that level 
where it almost becomes unrealistic but this really just shows you that it, this takes place in real life and it's it's very gruesome and so my issue is that the only thing I really took about way when after I watched this film is that it's one of the most violent and disturbing films I have ever seen. And so the theme of this movie is that revenge, I mean the theme of many revenge films, is that you cannot, that, that doesn't fill the void of the person you have lost. And it maybe makes you into a worse person. And so that's, and it, that is something that I definitely gathered from this film, but I don't know, I just really don't know if this was, if that was being hammered home well enough. Because consistently justifies this main character to take revenge because this serial killer is an awful awful human being and and they show the violence on both sides i may think maybe if they constrained the violence on the serial killer side and and actually showed what the secret agent was doing i forget his name um what he was doing more vividly i think that would have hammered home the point even more but yeah it's like walking away from a roller coaster that was fun and, and definitely an experience that you're going to remember but only because it made you feel a little nauseous uh, after you got off and so I don't know if that's the best thing for this film so would I recommend it no not necessarily I think so there's a there's a Bollywood remake of this film and I think it's like very loosely a remake but apparently when this director uh, Jiwoon Kim was in talks of making it with Bollywood the the consensus was that they left that conversation saying that they wouldn't make it and then Bollywood just <laughs> went ahead and made it anyways so I think that movie is far more tasteful um, even though it takes a, a different approach so I would watch that if you're interested in the story but no I wouldn't recommend this necessarily unless 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 you want to give me a hand and, and see if I'm missing something so then I would definitely say go ahead but I will warn you it's very very violent very vividly violent also like you think they're not going to show certain things and then they do so just keep that in mind okay then in my film genres class for the romantic genre um, I rewatched Casablanca released in 1942 and this received a 7.8 out of 10 I don't think that I need to say anything about this movie you probably know how important it is for film history how important it is for the fact it was released in World War II um, how it is one of the best scripts ever written um, so would I recommend this movie yes just watch it for well one to say you've seen that movie and two just because it's a very very um, it's a very sweet movie and I think the characters are very likable and very very endearing so for that reason I would watch it okay so moving to another film that I want to dive a bit deeper on and this is a movie I had to watch for one of my film classes and it's called The Souvenir released in 2019 directed by Joanna Hogg starring Honor Swinton Byrne Tom Burke and Tilda Swinton and it follows this woman who is in film school who meets this mysterious man and they start a relationship together and she starts living with him and his layers are peeled back uh, more and more and she becomes more and more uneasy about the man he is 
and uh, this received a 3.3 out of 10. I did not like this movie at all. So the very few things I liked about this film, I think there is a very contrary to I Saw the Devil, the message of this movie is very clear that destructive relationships, however destructive they may be, I think they make you the most vulnerable and you can still end up loving the person and falling victim to how charismatic they are and how that impact is, is seemingly lasting on everyone else. And then the other thing is that this is a memoir for Joanna Hogg. In fact, Joanna Hogg were, were and Tilda Swinton, sorry, were best friends, not best friends, I think they were just friends, but they were friends in film school, and Tilda Swinton actually knew Joanna Hogg as she was going through this relationship. And I think that it, it just makes this movie very vulnerable, which is, which is nice, I think. So what I didn't like about this movie is... Th Okay, so the first thing is that it's very, 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 very boring. And I think I'm pretty good at watching boring movies, but this is just boring in the pretentious way. Like, some weird person would sort, like, find a plethora of meaning from just the shots where they're just making food and doing laundry. So I think it's very meandery, and I don't know if this was done pretentiously by Joanna Hogg. I just think it's that was her active decision to do so and I don't know what meaning she was trying to derive from that but it just made the movie feel very boring and then the second thing is that the performances were good but they were very one-noted there was no variation whatsoever you could expect the same thing at every scene and then the thing that bothers me most about this film is that it was definitely made for herself which is completely fine but also to for a very specific group of people, and that's namely critics and, you know, boomer directors like Scorsese who are just kind of pooping on cinema these days. Uh, and I, and I, I'm joking there. I think Scorsese's opinions are actually quite valid, except this one. And there's absolutely no consideration on how this movie will translate to the general public. Like, there's no way that when she was making this film, she's like, oh yeah, 85% of the people who watch movies, they're gonna like it, they're gonna appreciate it. Like, there's no way this guy who, or this guy or girl, after a long work week, is gonna sit down and watch the souvenir and be like, that, that was an entertaining time. I'm glad I spent my two hours of my very busy life watching that film instead of something else. So that's what bothered me most about this film. I just think it's it's made very selfishly, which is which can be a good thing, but also made not for the general public. So would I recommend it? Um, no, I, do, I would not recommend this film. It's just very boring. I don't know what you're going to get out of it. Also far too long, like it's almost two hours. Again, that sounds regular but for this movie it's very very long and for a lot of people this is sorry no for some people this is their thing so it's up to you if you want to watch it i mean it is one of scorsese's favorite films uh scorsese's favorite two-part thing i have to watch the souvenir part two as well for class so you'll hear about that next week but yeah do do watch it if you if you were curious on what scorsese thinks but other than that, there's nothing special. Okay, then I watched Spartacus. 
released in 1960, directed by Stanley Kubrick and famously disowned by the man himself because he didn't have any creative control over it. But this received a 7.2 out of 10. I think it was good. Um, the thing with historical epics is that you are looking for scale. The thing about historical epics released in this time period is that you are looking for scale you are looking for a great ensemble cast, and you're looking for a really powerful ending to drive home the the runtime. And I think this movie has all of those things, and I and the, with the added bonus of it being very very focused on Spartacus, which is nice. And that and and that scene when the you know famous scene from this movie where they all get up and say I am Spartacus, it's it's quite triumphant and definitely deserving of its iconic status. So yes, I would recommend it, and it's a good movie to watch when you're doing something brainless. Okay, another movie I want to talk about in detail, because I really, really enjoyed it. And this is Brief Encounter, released in 1945, directed by David Lean. That name may sound familiar, because he directed very important films like Lawrence of Arabia and The Bridge on the River Kwai. Starring Celia Johnson and Trevor Howard. This was the first time I saw those names. And the story is that this married woman who carries out her very mundane routine meets this married man. And, you know, she he gets her all excited. She gets him all excited in a train station. And they fall in love. And this received 8.0 out of 10. So this movie was was really really great and and just I think what I really appreciate about older films when they have shorter runtimes. So it's really just a lightning in a bottle. So great at sort of short term runtime like that encounter is brief, but it's a very detailed and personal story, I think. A movie uh, it's not one movie that you think should be longer, but a movie that you but also one that you just took away from it being like, okay, that was a very satisfying story, a very satisfying emotional experience. And the second thing is that this movie was released in 1945, and this was this movie was entirely told through the woman's perspective. And there was no, I mean, yes, she's battling her internal conflict of, you know, cheating on her husband versus this new love that makes her feel alive and well again. But there was no sense that this movie was condemning her actions because we were hearing it through her perspective. And her narration, like there's a narration that goes out through this movie, but I think it works perfectly because it's as if she's talking to her husband and directly addressing him and, and walking him through her thought process. And so that's what I really liked and appreciated about this film be seeing it it was released in 1945 but even today if this movie was released i think still it would be revolutionary because it at no point is it's not encouraging infidelity by any means but it's also not condemning her to sin and to burn in hell because of what she's thinking so that was really cool about it and then technically, the, there's an opening shot of a train arriving at a station, and that just blows you away of just how visceral it is. I think the cinematography is extremely well done. The lighting is very well done. And, and even the editing is pretty great. Like It just establishes a pace of what new love is like and how it can feel impulsive, but it's just not... It's, it's impulsive, but not stupid. Like, it's not infatuation. 
it is just new love. Um, so that, that was pretty great about it. And then one thing I really liked about this movie is that how it captured the romanticism of the fact of being on trains and being in train stations and what that mode of transit acknowledges about the fleeting nature of love. And I feel like Bollywood has a lot to owe to this film. You know, movies like DDLJ, movies like Virzada, um, where that central, the the climax of the first half happens, where they're both walking away. So there's a lot. There's a lot that this movie has influenced, and I think there's a lot to like about it. So what I didn't like about it, very few things. I think the performances aren't the best. I think they're good, but they were just melodramatic in the weirdest places and then also subtle in the wrong places. Maybe that was intentional, but yeah, I just didn't really connect with them. And then the other thing is that there's no emotional attachment I felt until the end, and that ending is is good. Like that ending will tug on your heartstrings. But I didn't feel connected to this couple mainly because it was just I feel like it was being reasoned so well that we just didn't feel the need to have this <clears throat> grand emotional connection to them but yeah I think that was maybe that's a personal thing so would I recommend this movie yes it's it's become one of my favorite older romantic films I have seen and it doesn't take too much time out of your day it's 85 minutes long um, and you will be moved I will guarantee that at least at the ending you will Okay, then right after that movie, with with my dinner, I watched Weird, the Yal Yankovic story, released this year, and this is also a movie I want to talk about in more detail. So this movie was is directed by Eric Appel, I think that's how you pronounce it. It's starring Daniel Radcliffe, Evan Rachel Wood, and Rain Wilson, which was so nice. He had like actual role in this movie. And this movie is a is a is a parody of the musical biopics that we've gotten far too much lately, and that have fallen to the same routine. And it chronicles the life and fame of Weird Al. Um, I'm pretty sure you know who that is. If you don't, Weird Al is a very famous musician who parodies already made songs and changes the lyrics. So what I liked about this movie, I want to take a. I think this movie proved to me just how good Daniel Radcliffe is. And he's been proving that for a long time now. I remember watching Swiss Army Man and like this man is doing interesting stuff. And then I watched um, this movie called Imperium, which is not a good movie, but he's pretty great in it. And he plays like this neo-Nazi. And he's he's a great comedic actor. And I think he's and him and Evan, Evan Rachel Wood, who's also pretty good, she plays Madonna in the most exaggerated and funny way, but they're the type of comedic talent we need because they're just very good dramatic actors as well, and they know how to play both sides of the coin so well together. So I think those two people, sorry about that, those two things really make this movie great. And then the first half of this film, the first 45 to minutes to an hour are super fun and super funny. Like they, they just really had me laughing a lot with the jokes that they were being played, with the, the things that they were acknowledging about these musical biopics. 
what they were doing with the parody. I think that was really great. And then at the end of the day, it's still a it's a it's an entertaining film from beginning to end. Um, it's not the second half. I'll, I'll get into that, but it's not that the second half was boring. It just remains entertaining. So what I didn't like about this movie is the second half is kind of dumb. And what you're gonna say is that the whole movie is dumb, which I agree with. But it's dumb in the way that it's just actually straying off course and makes it a bit incoherent and just throwing things off on the script that they didn't need to be there or that seems out of character. And the way I compare this is that you have a film like This is the End, and it, with This is the End, it is utter stupidity that in any direction it goes, it makes sense because this movie set up itself as being utterly stupid. But with Weird Al, as, as desperately as it's trying to do that, I never think it hits the mark, so when it takes that turn in the second half, and you'll know the scene I'm talking about. There's like an extended 15-20 minute sequence um, with this like a really weird side plot that happens. But yeah, it just doesn't really fit for me. And I think it takes away from everything they were trying to do with the parody. The second thing is that it plays it very safe with its weirdness, which is very funny because I think Weird Al is one of the most challenging people to the music industry and the fact that this movie kind of plays it to the books in terms of like what we expect for weirdness these days and from from film is interesting so yeah that wasn't the best thing and i don't like to ding this movie because of this but at the end of the day there's no broader commentary there's no deeper meaning it's it's literally just a silly movie that parodies musicals and it's about weird al and i don't know maybe it's just to me being weird and and but i think weird al is trying to do make a statement with his parodies with his actual musical music parodies and this film wasn't i don't know i don't know that's just the way i felt so but what i recommend this movie yes it's still a fun time like watch it for daniel radcliffe and evan rachel wood they their chemistry is pretty great too um yeah so for a night or something you want to pass the time like it's the perfect movie to watch when you're about to go out somewhere and you're like ready but maybe your friends aren't and you know that's going to take them an hour and 48 minutes then you would put on this movie um yeah so there's the movies i watched this past week again watched a more than i th well not more than i thought it would but more than i can want to keep in this section in the interest of time um but yeah, I think overall it was a pretty good week in general. Okay, so a movie to keep on your radar. Last week it was Barbarian, and it actually came from the movies I had watched this that past week. And I wanted to do the same thing again, but it, sadly that didn't happen. I wanted to talk about Brief Encounter, but that movie is not underrated by any means. And then I wanted to mention weird al but that was just slightly more underwhelming than i wanted it to be so i decided to make it another 2022 film that i think everyone should be watching more and i feel like it, it was popular for the week it came out and just died down but it should just be popular and it's called bodies 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 
released in 2022 and it, it for those of you who don't know it follows this group of friends who kind of went their separate ways but came back together for this one reunion thing i don't remember why they're actually back together for this but and um they used to play a game called bodies 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 where it was kind of like assassin where one person was the murderer and one person would act dead until everything changes and one person actually dies and that's what sets off this movie it stars very very hot and upcoming talents hot i don't mean attractiveness i mean personally i don't mean attractiveness but yeah hot and i mean like trending and upcoming talents like rachel senate who you probably know from shiva baby and her ownership of twitter Maria Bakalova, who was in Borat, and Amanda Stenberg, who I only know as Rue from The Hunger Games, but I'm sure she's done better stuff um, in the past few years. And yeah, The Hunger Games movies are not my cup of tea. So I think this is an extremely fun whodunit movie, um, and some serious, some seriously like creepy and thrilling scenes in there. And it is a thriller almost on the edge of a horror movie but it's it's probably safely more of a thriller but there's also a lot of genuinely comedic scenes i think that and it had me laughing in the theater as well so and the, and the reason that i think this movie elevates itself is that the broader significance is that it is a critique of gen z my generation but just in the best way possible like i feel like every movie that has been made about gen z and about my generation has come from someone who is either so far removed from the generation or looks down on every single aspect of it so it just wasn't condescending and it felt like it was made by someone who truly understands or the generation and maybe like it it's as if someone pulled out someone from who was born in that time and told them to write a script about what they don't like about the generation and it it comes up with flaws that i think people in my generation actually acknowledges as flaws that are only present in our generation and not the ones that you know boomers think or even the millennials think actually so that's what I, <clears throat> that's what I really appreciate about this movie. Sorry, something's going on with my voice. That's what I really appreciate about this movie is that just how in tune it is. Like, and also there's so much with movies about people like me, is that you just have them throwing words, like slang, Gen Z slang, in the hope that they'll stick and that they don't sound stupid when you just say a normal sentence. Like, the thing about slang is you, you need to know how to use it. It's like if a white guy made a movie with black people and they were using black slang, like, you would, it would not be authentic. And so, and, and this is, and this movie actually points out how stupid some of the slang is in these situations. So, yeah, watch Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Definitely a movie to keep on your radar. I think it's out of theaters for the most part, but I think you can rent it on amazon and youtube and pay five dollars to rent a movie so yeah keep that on your radar okay so moving into our last section which is five movies to watch when i unfortunately have to use a 
past well, the one from last week which I couldn't use which not I couldn't use which I used a different one so there's here's another one from last week and it's five movies to watch when you are procrastinating procrastinating studying and this was submitted by a follower of mine and it's a great category I think it's it's a really great category and I think very relevant to the time we are in right now because it's midterm season in universities in a lot of US universities so I've divided this category into two films that should keep you in the slacking mode and then three movies that actually motivate you to do work and I've kept them all relatively lighthearted because there's probably a reason why you're procrastinating is because you're stressed so I don't I, <clears throat> I didn't want to include anything that was very heavy in this in this list okay so the first one I think you all could have guessed it it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off released in 1986 directed by John Hughes starring Matthew Broderick and Alan Ruck and the reason why it's a good movie to watch when you're procrastinating studying is because it you know tells you just take it easy don't be stressed the exam you're stressing for will not have a broader impact on your life like he, there's a I love that line when he says um, I have a test on European socialism tomorrow I'm not European I'm not socialist I never planned to be so who no yeah I'm not European I never planned to be European so who cares if they're socialist and that's basically maybe your thought process as you're procrastinating so yeah whatever happens just run with it um, don't focus on the smaller things and I think that's the main takeaway of Ferris Bueller's Day Off is that the reason why he's so laid back is because he does not fret the things that he well one he's living in the moment but he also doesn't fret a lot of the things that many others do like his sister does Okay, and then the second one is Booksmart, released in 2019, directed by Olivia Wilde. Don't worry, there is absolutely, not sure if this is a true statement, but there's no controversy surrounding this film, starring Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Dever. Many people call this the female superbad, and I think it's true in in the tone of this film like that's definitely the vibe is definitely very super bad but i think it's a mischaracterization of the plot because so these two girls who are who got straight a's through college decide to pack all of their partying into one night and it just teaches you to go to that party you know if you're procrastinating studying go to that party because this is the time in your life <clears throat> to do that and it will not come again to, to do it as freely and to do it with that level of energy and motivation, it, it won't come again. So definitely watch that film if you need motivation to stop working and to go to that party that your friends are encouraging you to go to. Okay, so moving on to the movies that will hopefully motivate you to do some work. These first two are actually, no, never mind. So, the first one is School of Rock, released in 2003. Very odd choice, I know, but let me explain. School of Rock is, you know, directed by Richard Linklater, starring Jack Black in this, what is probably his best performance still today. He also has a really awesome cameo in um, We Are the Al Yankovic Story. 
But the reason why this movie is motivating is that this is just the amount of passion and motivation that Jack Black instills in his elementary students to become rock band members will get you motivated to do your work because you can just be as cool as them. And it's like it's the movie where you are actually envious and jealous of people who are eight years old because they are being united together through this passion through hard work and then actually being able to perform as well it's also the encapsulation of what we all wanted our substitute teacher to be like when we were that age so i think jack black is awesome in this movie it's very very endearing it's just a fun movie too um if you're trying to kill time till you have to study and it will get you motivated as well the fourth movie is Legally Blonde, released in 2001. I think this movie is a subversive masterpiece. It's directed by Robert Luketic, Luketic, not sure, starring, you know, Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Coolidge, who's had a rebirth lately, I feel, because of The White Lotus. And so the reason is that the key to breaking down people's expectations about you is success. And in this case, it puts it into the context of academic and professional excess. She like studies really hard, gets into Harvard, she kicks butt in the courtroom, and breaks down all the expectations that people have about her. And it's so it'll motivate you to study hard and, and to, to prove people wrong. And but also make sure you look great doing it. I think that's also the point of the film is that you don't have to compromise certain aspects of your life to actually do well in school and to do well in your work. So yeah, that's that's a great movie. And then the fifth one, I always like to end it on a movie that perhaps you haven't seen or is less popular, but this is called Stand and Deliver, released in 1988, directed by Ramon Menendez, starring Edward James Osmos and Lou Diamond Phillips. And this movie follows this this school in California, I think. Yeah, California. And th there a lot of students in the school drop out. And Edward James Osmos plays this new math teacher who encourages kids to stay in school, stay in school, and he promises the school and the administration that he will get his kids into college and he will and he does that by preparing them for the AP calculus exam where they all study really hard together and he becomes their mentor in more ways than just math and so this this reason why this is a great movie to watch when you're procrastinating is that this is the movie that will immediately make you stop because it not only helps you prove that it not only shows that education is the way to prove to the world that they are that you are not what they think of you but really puts really puts education as the solution to poverty and the power to change the world in your own situation like a lot of these kids have to are dropping out because they have to work a lot of these kids are dropping out because of domestic issues at home and it just proves that if you are studying and if you do well you will eventually find success in the right way and this movie is like a sports drama like I like to equate this film like coach Carter or like McFarland but instead but instead put into the academic context so it makes studying as exciting as playing sports 
which I don't think many of us do find that, but hopefully this movie can change that. Okay, so yeah, that concludes this week's episode. A bit longer than I initially had hoped. Um, so yeah, let me know how it went, and movie to keep on your radar, bodies, 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 key takeaway from this, and then watch Brief Encounter. I think that's the favorite movie I watched last week, and The Thing. All right, see you next week.